0: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My special guest today is Lisa Erickson, and we'll be talking about Chakra Empowerment for Women. Lisa is an energy worker specializing in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing, and and again, as I said, author of Chakra Empowerment for Women from Llewellyn Publishing. She helps women maximize and balance their energy during key life transits such as pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, and menopause, including balancing, balancing the mother-child energy line. She also works with women who, to heal emotional wounds on an energy level from abuse and assault. She is certified in mindfulness, meditation instruction, and trauma sensitivity, and has trained in a variety of healing modalities. She is a member of the International Association of Meditation Instructors, the American Holistic Health Association, the Energy Medicine Practitioners Association, and the Breathe Network, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting holistic healing and healers for sexual trauma survivors. Lisa is passionate about helping any woman connect with their energy bodies. We'll learn more today in talking with her about Chakra Empowerment for Women, and you can find out more by visiting the website, ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome Lisa to the show. Good day, Lisa. Uh, let's see here.
1: Um, do I have you there, Lisa?
0: Oh, hold on, folks. Let me just.
1: Can you hear Hello? me? Hello, do I have you, Lisa? Hi. Yes,
0: I can Robert, hear you. Robert, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry I what? hadn't
1: pushed one yet to unmute myself. I'm here now.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, good. I could have easily been <laughs> technical error on my part, too, because I'm uh, working technically challenged here today. But anyway, we're, we're up and going. So, well, I'm really happy Great. to have you with me today.
1: And I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Now, I've talked a lot about chakras on the show over the 10 years, but Mm -hmm. I don't believe I've ever really had um, a focus on women's um, chakras Mm -hmm. and systems and that kind of thing. So I'm really looking forward to today. Now, uh, you call call your work Women's Energetics. So can you Mm -hmm. tell us exactly what that is?
1: That is really focusing on the specifics of women's energy bodies, and I focus most specifically on the chakras, as opposed to the meridians, the other main chakra ma- or the other main energy body mapping that exists out there, which you've probably talked about a lot on your show as well. Although there are differences in meridian mappings for women and men as well. There hasn't been as much focus on chakra differences, and it's partially because as chakra teachings came to the West, the focus was mostly on the spiritual aspect of it and the connection to yoga, because yoga is connected mm-hmm. to the chakras, yoga poses. And on that level, the chakra differences are minimal between men and women. But the chakras, the energy body, and the chakras in particular, are an interface between our physical body, our psyche, and our spirit. And at the level they connect to body, there are differences just like there are between men's and women's physical bodies. And for women, that impacts both how their energy is anchored and how it functions in different key life transits. So that's really what I call women's women's energetics.
0: Wow, okay. Now, uh, I'm, I'm real curious about the... Um, differences, you know, the, um, the male-female uh, differences. And, um, you know, we all exhibit various characteristics, masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, for the majority of people, we also have, you know, a, um, a biological uh, connection with one or the other, mm-hmm. um, though some you know, have both. So the question is, is, uh, do we have, you know, um, since we all exhibit the the tendency, uh, the the characteristics, masculine and feminine, is that on that higher level of um, energetics versus, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, to the point of connecting to the body?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's complex. I would say in terms of bringing forth our divine masculine and our divine feminine, we all have both. And there's a lot of healing that needs to occur in both right now. I think we need a rise of the divine feminine or the yin energy within all of us, both men and women. And we need a real healing of the masculine within both as well. So at a certain spiritual level, that work of the masculine and feminine and healing them and integrating them is occurring for all of us, regardless of our biological gender or our, gender identification. But at this chakra level, just like at the physical body level, there are differences that impact our experience in a body, and those tend to be gendered. I will say from my experience working with transgender individuals or pangender individuals or individuals who don't, really don't want to identify, mm-hmm. it really often has to do with which chakra system they identify with more usually has to do with the gender they identify with as opposed to biological sex but the differences that i'm talking about are really a spectrum so i talk about women's energetics okay. and someone really needs to find themselves within that spectrum
0: okay that makes sense that makes sense and you know that yeah, was, yeah. um you know because we're in such a a time right now, where when it comes to you know, uh, questioning of uh, um, of identity um, mm-hmm. and and gender, you know that yeah. gender fluid is kind of you know um, it's just unique, you know something yeah. you know, that we're really kind of just talking about now. Um, so now, well, and
1: I really want this work to be mm-hmm. inclusive. Like mm-hmm. I really want it to be inclusive, and yet at the same mm-hmm. time, I don't want to sort of white wall the chakra differences that can actually be useful to people who identify as female, you know, yeah, I think it's,
0: no, yeah, yeah. 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 I understand, watch, you know, the and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, it, and it, and it makes sense, you know, I mean, not yeah. every um, bit of information is going to apply to everyone. So um, yeah. now based on the differences, um, how would you recommend that a woman work differently with her, Energy body than a man. what What are some of the um, main areas of focus?
1: The main difference from a chakra perspective is that women tend to be anchored, their energy bodies tend to be anchored in the second chakra in the womb area. And a man tends to be anchored in their root chakra. And most traditional spiritual teachings, when they talk about the Kundalini coming up, they talk about it coming up from the root. What you do find, though, in feminine based yoga and tantra traditions is always this discussion of the, in women, it rising up from the second chakra, from the sacral, that it is already rooted there (laughs) so it's kind of Hmm. interesting it's just that somehow didn't necessarily come over in the original as text got to be translated more and more yoga teachers have talked about it in more recent years but this has a lot of impact because it means that second chakra just as a woman's both men and women have hormonal cycles we have different reproductive cycles but women's cycles are much more pronounced right we have a monthly menstruation we have the onset of menstruation we have pregnancy we have perimenopause and menopause Our cycles and our life phases are much more distinct, and that is also true energetically, not just physically. So a woman's sacral chakra, which is the anchor of her energy body, is actually waxing and waning with her monthly cycle, and it goes through profound shifts during pregnancy, perimenopause and menopause that she can work with. Um, I think the overriding thing that across a woman's entire life is that, because she's rooted in a yin chakra, the second chakra in both men and women is is by default a receptive yin chakra. Because she's rooted in that chakra, her energy body tends to be more absorbent and more naturally empathic in terms of absorbing others' energies. So women in general need to pay more attention to energetic boundaries, and to their energy lines to maintain their physical health and their energy. So that's kind of the overarching advice. And then within each life phase, there's particular things that women can work with.
0: Yeah, and to be clear, when you say that it's rooted in the, the second, the sacral chakra, um, mm-hmm. when you say rooted, is that you're indicating? That I think you said that's kind of where the the kundalini kind of arises from. Is that was that
1: yeah, one way to think about it is that by default, the kundalini is already pooled in the second chakra for a woman. It's pooled at the root chakra for a man. That's kind of an oversimplification okay. because we all need to work all chakras. <laughs> and women, men, most women yeah. that I work with, especially trauma survivors, really need to work with their root chakras. So this isn't saying women don't need to work with their root chakras. But it does say something about the default function of our energy body where a man's energy body anchored in the root chakra is much more solid in general and a woman's is much more open and then that has okay. ramifications yeah
0: okay so now um the you you mentioned the um the the, the connection you know the 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 sacral connection for for the women and with the, the how does that connect with um the the the, the divine feminine you know or the
1: mm-hmm.
0: that higher force that feminine force
1: yeah yeah well on the chakra level for both men and women i like to work with the second fourth and sixth chakra so the sacral pelvis the heart and the third eye as the heart of the feminine energy body, and the first, third, fifth, and seventh as the heart of the masculine or the yang energy body. And that's for both men and women. And, of course, you don't have to work in terms of the divine feminine and masculine through the chakras, but for someone who is, these pathways the way these uh, energy components connect and working with them can be very helpful. So in terms of the divine feminine, the second chakra is really the heart of it. And for a woman, it's the anchor of her whole feminine power and her energy body, and it's very important that all aspects of that chakra are very healthy. And in terms of what it represents in our culture, sexuality, sensuality, emotions, a lot of it is very repressed and denigrated. And not respected, and so it really is about this time in our society valuing those for both men and women, and valuing that that healing and that 's part of the divine feminine rising, I think within our culture
0: yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you there, so now, um, you mentioned about how you know a woman 's energy shifts with you know the various with um the, with the menstruation and the mm-hmm. you know pregnancies and postpartum mm-hmm. um what what um what are some of i mean i would think i'd say what are the energy shifts with each but maybe that's uh, too general um a question um, so what can you give us maybe an an example of um What one of those just one of those energy shifts would be, and how it would manifest, you know, for a woman, and so she would be able to recognize that shift.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about menstruation first of all, because it's an uncomfortable topic. So it's it's for many people. So we need to go there because it, you know, it's a problem that it is such an still a taboo topic in so many ways and in so many circles because it's such a natural process, right? And uh, an energy, a woman's energy body waxes and wanes with her cycle. And what that means is that at the peak of ovulation, we already know certain chemicals are firing that make her appear more charismatic. On an energetic level, her sacral chakra is open and emanating, and it has a much more sort of outward focus. And so if you could plan your life around your cycle, which most of us cannot, but if you could, it would be the time when you're going to be the most comfortable speaking in front of people or bringing a creative project to fruition. It's when ideas are flowing and the execution of ideas is flowing. Whereas during menstruation, we're at our most inward. The sacral chakra is really pulling inward. It's like a flower opening and closing, and it's like the bud is closing during that time. And the natural pull is to be more introspective, It's a time of seeing. It's a time to tap into your intuition. If you have a problem or decision in your life that you need to contemplate, that's the time to do that. And even though we can't plan our life around those cycles, even just knowing that cycle can allow you to counterbalance and know, okay, I have to go out and be around a lot of people today and it's the middle of my period. I need to focus more on energetic boundaries. I need to give myself more breaks today. These are the kinds of things that you can do and it can really, in my experience, entirely change a woman's relationship to her body and her cycle because in the modern world, a lot of us relate to it as just a huge inconvenience or medical problem and it actually can be a great source of power, and and always was in feminine-based spiritual yeah. traditions.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's uh, that's exactly the kind of information I was hoping to get. You know, as far as yeah. you know, how it manifested and, and how to, to work with it. Now, um, energetically, um, once a woman becomes a mother. Um, yeah, is that a forever energetic shift um, with her?
1: It is. And of course, we all have mothers. So even if you're not a mother, I think you can probably attest to the fact that that link feels eternal, (laughs) good or bad. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But it should, you know, there is a unique mother-child energy line that is essentially mirrors the umbilical cord from a mother's second chakra to the child's navel. However, it should it, and so it's, it's particularly active as it when a child is very young, right? And a woman postpartum, mm-hmm. part of the adjustment is learning how to deal with that new line, right? And allowing others to offer support so that she can sort of close that line down at times and not need to be constantly uh, feeding her child energy. As a child ages by adulthood, and it kind of happens in developmental stages, that line should be dormant and the child should be energetically independent. And if not, then there's problems, right, Uh, uh, for both the mother and the child. And, And really this isn't sort of to denigrate the other heart connections of other parents you know, there's heart lines and all sorts of things that are so important to a child's life or adoptive parents. Like you don't have to have this birth mother line active during your childhood to have a beautiful, loving childhood. But for women who do give birth, it is something that impacts their energy that they need to be aware of and manage and balance with self-care and make sure that they are allowing it to close as their child reaches adulthood for both their own benefit and their child's.
0: Yeah, I would think that. (laughs) I know for some women that that closing can be a a challenge. Uh, So, um, but it's but it's Well, and I know people who are adults who
1: never have closed the line with their mother, right? And they feel like their mother still impacts them energetically in a negative way, right? So sometimes, as a child, (laughs) we need to close that line, right? So it's both ways.
0: There you go. (laughs) I agree with that 100%. Um, So now. in general you know mm-hmm. aging how does aging impact um our subtle body it, it, you know and how mm-hmm. is this different yeah. for men and women
1: yeah yeah. Well, in general, I think, you know, we have aging, uh, we're all messed up about aging, just like we're all messed up around se- about sexuality and we're trying to heal, heal that and, and aging as well. We really are so focused in our culture on the deterioration of the physical body and on preventing that. And, of course, that's great. We all want to be healthy for as long as we can. But from an energy body perspective, there's a profound opportunity as we age to increase our identification with our energy body and all of our chakra powers, uh, as I like to call them, and really to come into a whole new level of energetic connection with our surroundings, with spirit and source, and that should be becoming more powerful. As our physical body may be becoming less powerful and for women this is really reflected in menopause and we do um, we do recognize now that men have a kind of menopause at, at the hormonal level it's not quite as pronounced as what women go through in terms of their cycle ending and the hormonal shifts that go along with that but either way for both men and women that phase of that shift which can span many years is a shift from identification with our physical body to our energy body and the wisdom and connection that that brings us
0: hmm. interesting you know because you know it seems that um, as uh, as we as we get older the Our physical bodies, you know, take on Mm -hmm. all kinds of uh, not necessarily attractive characteristics. So, I mean, it's, you know, we're we're youth, you know, I think, you know, we're still kind of focused on body, you know, and and being in our body and and kind of being connected to the body. You know, where now it seems that, you know, with the aging, it's, you know, kind of been there, done that. Now we've got, you know, bigger fish to fry. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think of course we want to do everything we can to keep our bodies healthy and energy body right. work can really help with that. You know, and if you know someone who has really worked with their chakras throughout their life, you know, they'll have a glow even if they have more wrinkles, right? And this is kind of the classics of the wise woman or wise mother that they have this energetic or spiritual glow that really has nothing to do with whether or not their body is aging, right? So the body mm-hmm. is just a vehicle for something larger. And in that sense, the energy body can both help your physical health, but it also helps you bring your spirit and your wisdom forth and your power in a greater way. And that's what you should feel like aging is. It's You're coming into greater and greater wisdom and power and spiritual connection. And mm-hmm. that is happening even as the body is preparing to end Cause it will eventually right, right? <laughs> and unfortunately in this culture we don't really approach it that way so a lot of people don't get to have yeah. that experience of um that final phase of their life
0: yeah yeah it is um i mean it, it's just interesting you know it's, it's a complete shift in in a, a paradigm of of you know mm-hmm. our kind of our, our culture, you know, as far mm-hmm. as uh, the wisdom. And and then, you know, also we, we've got um, when you are surrounded by someone who has um, like Alzheimer's or dementia, some people who have yeah. gone to that particular point, it's really, you know, really hard to see that, you know, not only the yeah. um, the physical kind of go, but also, you know, the, the mental and, you know, energetic. I mean, I've been around some people in nursing homes that are spry or, or you know are very yeah. um astute you know and then yeah. I would think that would fall into that wisdom kind of gathering you know kind of yeah. um picture but then but then there are those who aren't and then it's um
1: yeah
0: it, i would think that, that in itself would be energetically you know, crazy <laughs> i mean it would, it would be something yeah. i wouldn't want to experience
1: yeah it's interesting i think we do need to reframe our whole concept of aging so more people can have that experience that they're growing into a power but it isn't it's interesting because like my mother-in-law for example has alzheimers and at this point doesn't know most of us but she's actually at a point right now she is fortunately fairly physically healthy although she's in her 90s and she's uh-huh. actually Her energy, I would say there is a certain glow to her because she's entered a childlike state. Now, it doesn't unfold Mm. that way for everyone, but it can. So, in Mm. other words, her energy is somewhat healthy and strong, and that may be why she's still physically strong. Uh, And I think she had aged in a way that was very wise and powerful until the Alzheimer's hit on the physical level. So even something like that doesn't mean that someone can't energetically and spiritually still be experiencing things on another level that are positive. Um, you know, when we open ourselves up to the multi dimensions of who we are, not just our physical self and brain, then, you know, there's still uh, feeling love, feeling moments of joy, feeling moments of happiness, and, that, and that's really what we can offer individuals.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um great. Well, we're going to take just a quick break here, Lisa, mm-hmm. and um and sure. then when we come back, I want to talk a, a bit about energetics and trauma because you work with that as well, yeah. okay? Yeah. Great. great. Thank you. Okay, everyone, everyone stay tuned, we'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello. This is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder That We have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website is BikeRadio.me has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, today, my special guest is Lisa Erickson, and we're talking about her new book, Chakra Empowerment for Women. Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Your Power, and Finding Overall Wellness. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is chakraempowermentforwomen.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Lisa.
1: Hi, Robert. Good to be back.
0: (laughs) Great. Okay, good. So, um, you work with folks energetically who have experienced trauma. So would you mind sharing with the listeners how trauma affects our energy body?
1: Yeah. Well, in general, you know, there's all different kinds of trauma, and I also specialize in sexual trauma, but I'll talk about trauma in general, whether it's accidents or mm. uh, war veterans or abuse or assault of some type. And in general, the one of the main things that you'll often see is a disassociation from the lower chakras this is particularly common for sexual trauma and assault survivors a disconnection from the body those lower two chakras that we were just talking about as the anchor of both men and women's energy bodies right really form Mm -hmm. the foundation or the linking in point for our energy body and our physical body and if someone isn't fully connected to them because they have disassociated from their body, usually uh, body shame or this sense that the body was the site of the trauma or their body experienced some sort of trauma, there's this sense of not being fully present in the body. And there are different methods of disassociation. It can rise to the level of addiction, right, escapist uh, substance abuse, or it could be anything from video games to just mental spinning, Always being someone always being in their head and never really being able to feel or experience pleasure or take care of their body, for example. So that's one of the first things I'm always working with is getting someone linked into those lower chakras, getting that foundation of the chakra house connected for someone.
0: Yeah. So now would... You know, with the, the idea of that uh, disconnect or the dissociation, mm-hmm. when you're talking about helping the, the client kind of reconnect, mm-hmm. um, would it be men to the root chakra and women to the, sacrin, the sacral, where the root of each should be or normally is?
1: It really would be working on both chakras because we all have okay. all of them. But okay. in general, mm-hmm. I do find trauma will impact Um, a man more in their root chakra and a woman more in their second chakra, Uh, but it's mixed. And and, and really the root chakra for everyone has to do with your ability to feel safe in your body, and the second chakra has to do with the ability to feel safe with your emotions and with pleasure. Mm -hmm. So I think it really plays out differently in terms of the type of trauma, whether it was abuse, Mm -hmm. whether it was abuse by a trusted individual. There's all sorts of different components in terms of where someone was most impacted.
0: Yeah. So now, how how can energy work um, benefit? I mean, what's can you? What's the the benefit of that reconnection? So I mean, is it just simply you know getting in touch with what happened and then mm-hmm. kind of maybe reframing and integrating what what happened?
1: Yeah. Well, that I don't do as much reliving an experience okay. as someone might okay. do in talk therapy or somatic therapy. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's very necessary, and I often recommend someone might be doing energy work in combination. A lot of people that have come to me have done talk therapy, and they understand the roots they've perhaps relived and attempted to integrate on the psychological level. And now we're dealing with the energetic imprint. They feel like there's certain experiences that they can't have or they're still carrying a lot of shame or anxiety in their psyche that they're looking for help releasing, that is blocking them in some way to living fully. Maybe maybe it's sexual relationships, maybe it's intimacy at all, maybe it's owning their power, maybe patterns of getting triggered still in certain situations into fear or shame. So we're working, you know, it's individual for each person, and I think the value of energy work is that it is at this midpoint. It impacts both the body and the psyche, and it's something Mm -hmm. you can learn to work with in the moment, right? Like you can learn to activate root chakra energies when you're feeling triggered in the moment through imagery and breathing work. And for some people, it's just a very helpful modality for doing that. For others, it's not. I think it's very individual. But for some individuals, it's less threatening than, for example, talk therapy where you're alone in a room with someone, because I mostly personally mm-hmm. work with guided imagery by phone and Zoom. And okay. it's less... It's less um, Threatening. Then some people, physical work is also very intimidating. The idea of being touched by someone else or working with the physical body at first, right? So energy body is right. sort of a gentle way in to work at all these different mm. levels.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Now, um, you talk also about trauma sensitivity. So can you mm-hmm. talk? Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Because I'm, you know, once one's experienced trauma. Is there a, um, are we kind of apt or open to being re-traumatized?
1: Yeah, well, and this is an issue that uh, the healing process can actually re-traumatize someone. Someone can feel like, oh, I mm. closed that door. I've moved on with my life. I don't want to reopen it. And yet they feel like there's been, you know, uh, there's been an impact that hasn't quite healed, right? So we never mm. want to re-traumatize. And part of what trauma sensitivity is, is the, the healer or counselor or whoever, body worker, whoever it is, learning trauma-sensitive techniques that don't re-traumatize, learning how to work with someone in a partnership way and creating a sense of choice so it never feels authoritarian, which can be very triggering, and creating an environment that always feels safe. And that is really what it means to work in a trauma-informed way is how do you create a sense of safety How do you dialogue with a client? How do you gauge you know, uh, how far to go when emotions are being triggered, when is it helpful, and when is it actually re-traumatizing. And uh, there's a great organization I work with. You mentioned it in my bio called the Breathe Network, which is a nonprofit, and they actually help train. They run courses for healers, meditation teachers, yoga teachers, anyone working with anyone who may have experienced trauma on how to change the way you work so it is more trauma-informed. Um, so that's a great resource.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. And um, you know, it's just uh, some people um, I've come across that just <laughs> have one thing after another, and, and you know, and it's uh, you know, I'm, sometimes I just sit back and it just makes me wonder. Mm -hmm. what's going on, (laughs) you know, I mean, because, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where now I have one person I know who's just loves drama. Yeah. I mean, she's just one of these that if there is not drama, she creates drama, (laughs) you know, and, Mm. um, and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm very drama free, (laughs)
1: you
0: know, and so um, to me, it's just, uh, to me, it's just, Interesting, you know what what um, attracts people? What people attra- I mean, say what people um, attract energetically to themselves?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm always very cautious about that sort of thing because I never want to fall into blame the victim language. But I think right. if we look at someone who has those patterns, what's the underlying need? You know, what that that they they keep trying to fulfill in this way. Like, if it feels as if they are actually creating the situations, there's some sort of need that, uh, for attention or um, for feeling whole through the attention that creating these situations brings them. And yeah. that's different than, than perhaps a, a person, you know, other types of victim situations. But in that situation, I would right. be working with someone around, you know, what's that need? How can we help you to feel whole? So you do not feel as if you have to create this drama around you to feel that way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a heart healing. And that can be one response to trauma and to abuse is that someone actually feels as if this is just what I deserve. This is the way I'm always supposed to live. And they've never healed mm. that underlying sense of unworthiness. And that's how it plays out, you know. So it's always oh, yeah. pain underneath yeah. that's looking for healing.
0: Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Great. Uh, so now... We mentioned a couple times earlier in the show, um, kundalini. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. for listeners who may not be aware of what that is, um, would you mind sharing your perspective of kundalini and um, also uh, what can happen with a kundalini crisis? <laughs>
1: um, mm, yeah, yeah well you know i i I talk about kundalini because it's very out there right now this word it seems like everybody's heard of kundalini all of a sudden (laughs) there's been a growing awareness of kundalini yoga i think there's more yoga teachers teaching kundalini practices and breath work pranayama uh and really the kundalini is our spiritual growth energy that moves through the chakras there's different energies that move through the chakras and the kundalini is this personal growth and spiritual growth energy and there are practices meditation practices yoga practices designed specifically to bring the kundalini up through all our chakras and bring us into states of spiritual insight and mystic states really what we would consider to be mystic states and it's really a very beautiful and natural process and, and, and some people are plunged into kundalini experiences without formal spiritual practice. It often happens as the result of big life events or astrological transits. A lot of a lot of different things can lead to it. And, you know, I would say ninety five percent of the time or even higher, it's a peaceful, beautiful process. Once in a while kundalini can surge in a way that's uncomfortable. For women, perimenopause is one time uh, in which this can be prone to happening. And someone can feel as if physically or emotionally it's too much and they are experiencing symptoms that are frenetic or, you know, harmful in some way. And in those cases, it's really about grounding the energy. And I do find that trauma survivors who haven't fully worked with their trauma, if the kundalini rises it is more likely to trigger a Kundalini crisis, so it is important if you're a trauma survivor to work cautiously with the Kundalini and to really make sure you have support and that you're grounded in those lower chakras that you've done the work to heal those lower chakras in particular
0: yeah so the cultivating of the Kundalini energy experience is something that would um, that we would like to engage in, um, but cautiously?
1: Yeah, I think in most cases it's not an issue at all. Um, really, anyone who's on a personal growth or spiritual path, you're triggering the kundalini mm-hmm. to some extent. When you have an epiphany, when you connect, you feel some sort of a spiritual connection, whether it's to nature or to energy in a new way or a mystic mm-hmm. state, the kundalini has risen, whether you were doing a practice that was designed Hmm. to do that or not, right? Like it's happened. It doesn't happen only if you cultivate it. There are certain techniques to do it, but it happens naturally as part of growing. So yeah, we all want to work with Kundalini from my perspective because we all want to be growing, right? The Kundalini really is an obstacle remover. It runs into obstacles in our energy body, our karmic body, and it clears them. (laughs) Um, And so learning how to kind of relax into that process is and and being very grounded in our body and very self-aware is really the effective way of working with it.
0: Yeah, okay, good. Uh, so now we we've been talking about the um energetic work that individuals um would, would you know, encounter or, or do to, um, you know, be grounded, be connected, and that kind of thing. How does the um, greater energetics, like, of, of the time, you know, when you were, you know, beyond our individual, like, we're talking about, you know, energetics of a community, of a nation, and global. So how, mm-hmm. how does that um, larger picture fit in with the micro version of what we are doing
1: yeah well it's it's a two-way thing on the one hand for our own personal growth we are all impacted by these cultural energies and these imprints conditioning regarding what is valued and what is not valued and we internalize those so if we live in a racist homophobic culture and we're a brown-skinned or uh, gay individual, th- we, those imprints really impact us in a way that is harmful and that we may need to work with to heal and really honor that within us. Then I think, uh, excuse me. Sorry, I Miami, just needed yeah? to cough. I hope I didn't cause a blip there. I oh. got <laughs> no. a tickle in my throat. Oh, okay, yeah. good, okay. No, so then uh, it's partially about how the culture impacts us, but then also as we change and grow and liberate ourselves from those, that cultural conditioning, if we come into our divine feminine, say, our sacred masculine, that reverberates out and also impacts the larger matrix. So there's really this, you know, this interaction that's constantly going on, and working energetically is a way both to recognize the way a culture is imprinted on us and and heal from any negativity around it, and also for us to positively impact change. You know, that phrase, it starts with yourself, right? At the energy body level, that's Mm -hmm. really true.
0: Yeah, okay. Now your book, the subtitle of your book is Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Mm. Power and Finding Overall Wellness. So can you maybe share with us just maybe one or, or two of your favorite techniques in the book that you offer for the readers just to give them an idea of what they could expect?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I really, I called it self-guided techniques because I really believe anyone can learn to work with their chakras uh, on their own. And so that's what I'm trying to do in this book. I'm trying to make it accessible, even for a woman who may never have worked with the chakras before. And with each tool in it, trying to offer multiple access points into that chakra. So there's a visual associated with each tool. For example, in the heart, which is perhaps the simplest one, it's a star, but it's made of green light because green is the color in the rainbow spectrum of the heart chakra. Green like spring leaves and fresh fresh nature. Uh, so in the heart chakra, for example, you would imagine this green star from all directions and you would focus first on receiving light into it from all directions and then on emanating it out. And on different days, you might focus more on the receiving or more on the emanating out, depending on on what's going on in your day that day. And then in addition to the imagery you can use memories of times which, in which your heart chakra was very open. And you can use affirmations. You can use sounds. So I'm offering multiple ways, if you've decided that what you need to work with is your heart chakra, multiple ways to access it. Because I find that some people access the chakras more physically, some more emotionally through memory, some more visually through visualization. And so that that's kind mm-hmm. of uh, what I'm trying to do. And, and the first seven... Chapters are each one chakra each, and then the last are multi chakra, uh, including, for example, an energetic boundary tool that involves combining the root and the navel chakra into a kind of second skin, or an energetic filter where you feel as if you're not taking in the energies of people around you unless unless you want to. So those are two simple examples from the book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah, those are very simple and easily um, implemented, which is great.
1: Yeah. And then in each chapter, I've tried to include a section on women's energetics, specifically how a woman might be blocked in that chakra and how to work with that, with clearing that, and then sexual trauma, how it might have impacted that chakra, and if that's relevant to you, how to work with that chakra for greater healing. Yeah. Okay,
0: so what do you hope that uh, the readers will take away from reading Chakra Empowerment for Women?
1: Mostly I hope that they will take away a sense that that they have more power in them than they realize, that their chakras are their birthright to access and that they have the ability to connect with them directly and bring energy forth, and also that... They're also self-healing, right, that we can do. Hmm. I really obviously believe in energy healing. I believe in seeking support. But really all healing is our own healing, right? So we're we're trying to activate your own self-healing capacity from the inside, and that's the ultimate empowerment. And I think the third thing is that you can activate the chakras in any situation. So it's not just about healing. It may just be about you're about to walk into a job interview. You need to open up your throat chakra and get centered in your confidence. You work with your navel chakra and your throat chakra in the moment, and you can learn to do that and how to really shift your energy in the moment. So uh, all of that I hope people feel from this book.
0: Yeah, and, and and those are v- valuable for men as well. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's sacro power it's sacrum empowerment, you know, with a
1: little Exactly. A lot of the book women. is and then of course I get into the sections on menstruation and pregnancy and perimenopause <laughs> and not so much, but but it is like there are a lot of sections of the book that are relevant relevant to men as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. I just wanted to make sure to point that out for the guys listening. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. um Well, great. Well, listen, Lisa, I really want to thank you for your time today. I, I've, I've enjoyed speaking with you, and I've learned a lot. Um, and and I, we're connected on Facebook. So for listeners out there, if you use Facebook, be sure to uh, join Lisa and me there on that platform. Um, and looking forward to following your journey, Lisa. So I appreciate your time again.
1: Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: It's my pleasure. Again, everyone today, my special guest has been Lisa Erickson. We've been talking about her book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Your Power, and Finding Overall Wellness. And, again, you can find out more by visiting the website, which is ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at ByteRadio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadio.me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.